I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. Praise your wonderful name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I am thankful for what I feel in this place this morning. I feel the sweet presence of the Holy Ghost. It's good to be back in Indiana. I uh, love Tennessee. It's my probably one of my favorite places to be, but there's nothing like Indiana. I love Indiana. And uh, there's a lot cooler here today than it was. Has it, has it been cool all week? Has it been hot? It's been raining. That's, that's a good thing. We, were, we needed that. But I'll tell you what, in Tennessee, it was, it was stifling, stifling. And uh, I thought, man, I kind of dread going back to Indiana. I came back here and it was cooler. And I thought, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here. I am excited this morning, thankful uh, to have our guest here this morning. I, uh, of course, Isaac uh, is a fine young man. We've gotten to know him and uh, he still owes me golf lessons and uh, Isaac uh, he uh, actually has a golf scholarship in college and so we're looking uh, maybe at a future uh, pro so before he gets a big name he has to give me golf lessons and I, I, I made a deal with him. I give him golf lessons. I'll pay for his golf. And uh, that's cheaper than paying for the lessons because usually it's like 80 bucks an hour. And I'm going to take you to a, a putt-putt place. It's like $6. I'm just kidding. Let's, why don't we just pause right here. And uh, I, I've, Sister Donna uh, has been through a lot in her life. And uh, here lately, sh- the storm is has really uh, raged in her life. I wonder if you just extend your hand to Sister Donna right now and pray that the Lord would rest upon her, touch her, give her peace that passeth all understanding, Jesus. Lord, we're asking you this right now by the power and the authority of the Holy Ghost that you would touch her heart, touch her mind. Lord, lead, guide, and direct her. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for your power and your glory. Your honor. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for what you're going to do and what you have done. Lord, I pray for complete healing in her heart and her mind. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord is good. Not just some of the time, but all the time. Amen. And I, I was saying that Isaac would just come to love him and doesn't, he's just a fine young man. His parents are here this morning. And Brother Wyrick and Sister Wyrick and can I call you this Junior? No, Junior? No? Okay. So I should have asked this before. Can your son still give me golf lessons? Uh, okay. Well, it is good to have the whole family here this morning. We're very thankful. I got to meet them at... Uh, Brianna's birthday party and just just a few minutes I got, I got to talk to them sincerely I just thank the world of you all are wonderful people and we're very blessed to have you this morning it's also good to have Maddie here this morning and uh, Allison and so I we, we got all kinds of guests um, I, uh, I come this morning I thought man I hope we could baptize somebody in Jesus name because we kind of got in that in that I like I don't like traditions, but I like that kind of tradition. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll find somebody to baptize. It's 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 uh, just an honor to be able to do that. If you have your Bibles, I would like you to open up. Well, we're going to read just th- three passages of Scripture and they're all over. So Malachi three and six. If you don't have it, we have it in the on the back screen. And then James one and seventeen, Numbers twenty three and nineteen, and while while you're finding those, I want to um, b- before we leave, do leave, we're going to pray 
for uh, Jerry, brother and sister Sheesh's daughter. Uh, she uh, bit, she's been losing uh, weight this week, and uh, she's the one that had been diagnosed of, of a brain tumor. Hopefully, this morning I can build faith uh, that uh, that we can and we can pray with authority this morning. I believe with all my heart that Jesus still heals and he still delivers. Now, we can believe, you know, it's easy to believe a doctor's report. We put a lot of trust in men. You ever think about how much trust we put in men? You get on an airplane, you never met the pilot, you don't ask him for his credentials, you don't know how many accidents he's, accidents he's had or anything, you don't know if he's capable, you don't know if he's got glaucoma, you don't know anything about him. You get on the, you get on the plane and you don't even ask any questions, you just get on the plane, you just sit down, buckle your seatbelt, and you just assume that everything is going to be okay. That's trust. And if, for those of you don't fly, those of you that get behind the wheel, how many of y'all check all the, the tires on your car every time you take off? You just trust that everything's going to be okay. We utilize trust every single day. And it's a sad thing that many times we put trust in a lot of other things rather than put them in Jesus. We don't even ask any questions. We walk in a, in a, in a room, we just flip the light, and we just trust that it's going to come on. That's trust. And so, I, you know, the Bible talks about some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. And the, the man of God went on to say, but you choose to do that. I put my trust in Jesus. This morning, I just want to, I just, uh, despite what the doctors say, despite what the judge says, despite what the lawyer says, hear me. Jesus Christ will never fail you. Men will fail you. They, they will fail you. I've said it. My greatest heroes in my life were my, are my parents. And they'll fail me on accident. Some people will fail you on purpose. And some people will fail you on accident. But God never fails. He never, ever messes up. Amen. So this morning, despite what the doctors say, brother and sister, she's Jesus is still a healer. Are you with me this morning? Malachi 3 and 6, the Bible says, for I am the Lord and I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are consumed. Then James 1.17, the Bible says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It comes from Jesus. And cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness. There's no changing. There is no, there is no uh, uh, unwavering or waveringness. He's always the same. He went on to say, neither shadow of turning. Numbers 23 and 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. And that actually, that right there gives us a uh, uh, the assumption that every man has the ability to tell a lie. But but God is not he's it, it's it is not even within him to even tell a lie. If he speaks it, it becomes the truth. If there's not light and he speaks it, there's light. And so God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it or hath he spoken and it shall and shall not he make it good? So I want to talk to you just for a little bit uh, this morning. If God did it once, he'll do it again. If God can do it once, he can do it again. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Thank you for standing for so long. I promise you I won't keep you very long if you help me preach this morning. I know it's a little different here since we've had our regular services on Sunday morning, but uh, I want to I want to just have church. Is that all right? I said we're going to have church in here this morning. Maybe it'll take you some convincing. I tell you, a lot of people their problem. In, in living for God is, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, that they get their faith 
from the wrong source and they lean from the wrong sense, if you will. Many people, and I've done it before, and I'm sure each one of us have accumulated uh, faith from what we see and what we visualize. The sad reality of doing that is that what we see varies from day to day. Matter of fact, in my life, it doesn't just have to be from day to day. It's from minute to minute. Because, and I know, I don't know about y'all, but in my life, sometimes I have a good minute and I turn around and I have a bad minute. It's not a day with me, Brother Krause. It goes by minutes. And sometimes it just, it's just with seconds that my day can turn just like that. And I'm sure it's the case with many people in here this morning. And it's the sad reality is... People put or base their faith and get their faith by what they see and not by what they hear. The problem with basing your faith by what you see is if your faith or what you see is good, your faith is good. Then if you turn around and your what you see is negative, all of a sudden you lose faith. But the Bible tells me that I'm supposed to get my faith by hearing the word of God. And the word of God changes not. So therefore, my faith should not waver. And I want to tell you this morning that despite what's going on in the world and what's going on in your life, in your current situation, that we have the Word of God that's prevalent in our life, that changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That tells me that my life can be a living nightmare and my circumstances can be bad right now. But knowing that Jesus Christ is still a healer, he's still a savior, and he's still a deliverer, tells me that my faith can be strong based on the word of God. Jesus. And what we need to do is remind ourselves and the enemy that it doesn't matter what goes on in the world, that heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word of God will stand for eternity. I put my faith in the Word of God, and not by men. I don't base it on a president. I don't base it on a congressman. I don't base it on law enforcement. I don't even base it on people in the church. I base it on Jesus Christ. That's the chief cornerstone that cannot be moved. Some people believe that Jesus is like a genie in the bottle. That you get a few wishes out of them, and once it's done, once you've wished your three wishes, then it's all over. I know some people view, uh, I've heard, I've, I've, I've even said to myself, well, I've been blessed. What can happen? I mean, my blessings has got to run out. I, I mean, something bad's got to happen. I've I, I thought it, and, uh, and I've, I've, I've said it. You all didn't hear me say it, but I've said it. Drive. What's going to happen? I, I know I've, I, I've got four or five blessings in a row. Something negative's got to happen. Yeah, and, and but what's sad is that people uh, put God on the same level as men. God doesn't work that way. Are you hearing me this morning? And people treat Jesus like that. They think that Jesus is somehow going to run out of blessings. And somehow Jesus is going to run out of healing power. And somehow Jesus is going to run out of grace. And somehow he's going to run out of mercy. I'm thankful that despite what the enemy unleashes on the church, God has more grace, more mercy, more healing power. Oh, you're not him. When the doctor comes in and says, I don't know what else to do. We've given her too much mess. We don't know what else we're going to do. Jesus Christ walks in the room and says, I can do all things. 
Hallelujah. I'm thankful for, for, for a God that can walk up to a tomb when someone like Mary and Martha says, you know what? We've done everything we could. Lord, if you'd have just showed up three or four days ago, everything would have been all right. Jesus delays his, uh, his, his appearance simply because they simply believed that Jesus was simply a healer and they didn't realize that he was the resurrection and power. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus said, you know what? I'm not going to show up because I'm going to prove to my people that I'm more than what they expect me to be. I want you to know this morning, it doesn't matter how bad things get in your life. Jesus Christ can heal it. He can resurrect I know that's easy to say when good things are happening in your life, when people are being healed in your life and good things are happening and you got good money in the bank account. And it's a little bit harder to say those things when everything's falling apart in your life, when your prayers don't go the way you ask them. When Paul, Paul had enough faith and trust that even though he prays three times for the Lord to heal him and he didn't, Paul became okay with it. And he, 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 he made this, he makes the statement that I'm, I'm just, I'm, uh, just, I'm okay in, uh, with just having the grace. And Paul lived his life that way. He didn't base his faith by what he saw, but he based his faith by what he knew. Sometimes, sometimes, Dad, sometimes that means that we've got to say that Jesus Christ is a healer despite losing my mother. Sometimes we, we've just got to press through and say Jesus Christ can heal cancer when our neighbor lady just died of cancer. Something we just got to be able to say, you know what? We know that he can do it because he did it for blind Bartimaeus. We know that he can heal the blinded eye despite their stoves that are around us that still hasn't received their sight. We've got to be able to have enough trust in God to say, you know what? I know you didn't do it here, but I know you still can. I want you to know this morning that the arm of Jesus is not short and his ear is not deaf and he's not slack concerning his promises. His promises are yea and amen. His love is far reaching. His power is not dried up. His word's still true. When you need him, he's going to be there. Despite what the world says, that the church has lost its power and they've lost their ability uh, to reach out to this world. I believe with all my heart that in this last day that God is preparing a church that's going to be greater than we've ever seen in our past. Believe it. I believe it. And you know how hard it is sometimes, Brother Davis, and I actually know you do know how hard it is when you preach and you get up and you say, I know that God can heal and you're sick yourself. And I know that he he can he can take away depression when you're walking around with depression yourself. And I know that he can deliver when you need deliverance yourself. I believe what God is looking for in this last day is what he found in Paul and Silas when they're chained to a prison wall. How can you, like Paul, how can you preach deliverance when he's, when he's captive himself? How can you preach in deliverance when Paul and Silas were beaten sadistically, chained to a prison wall, and he's in there? Can you imagine? Probably felt like a liar or a fool saying that God can heal, God can deliver, and they're chained to a prison wall, beaten. I want to tell you what God is looking for. Do you have the ability to raise your hands, even though you may uh, be going through pain yourself? Do you have the ability to worship God despite how you feel? David had the ability 
when he was going through some of the hardest times in his life. And he said, the Lord is my rock and he's my fortress. He's my deliverer, my God, my strength. In whom will I trust my buckler, the horn of my salvation and my high tower? Not too long uh, that uh, not too long from when that scripture was uttered is when Paul lost all the uh, all the uh, loved ones and all the uh, his people's wives and children and when they were captivated and uh, they 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 sought to kill him talked about stoning them and David standing over there trying to be an encourager himself he's the light of Israel he's the giant killer he's the one they're supposed to lean on he's the man after God's own heart and now he's being accused of being the one responsible for them losing their families. You know what happened? The Bible says that David walks over by himself. He didn't have anybody patting him on the back. And he had to start encouraging himself and the Lord. I got a question for you this morning. Can you encourage yourself in the Lord despite despite your issues and despite the conditions in your life? Can you worship? I feel like I'm hitting a wall right now. I, I, I want you to stand your feet. I want you to stand your feet all over this place. I feel like I'm preaching against a wall right now. And I need God to move on our behalf right now. I'll ask you one more time. Can you worship God despite how you feel? Can you lift your hands despite of how much condemnation the devil's put on you? Can you clap your hands despite the sickness that you're feeling in your body? Can you worship God despite what the devil has told you you can't do and what you should do? Hallelujah. All right. You may be seated. I have to tell myself all the time, Brother Sims, that if Jesus can do it for somebody else, he can do it for me. Now, I know that I'm not again, I just I'm not contradicting what I said a little bit ago about receiving my faith by what I see. But I do know that in the word of God, there were some absolute incredible uh, impossible events that happened that took place that God did for people in the Bible that I know that if he did for them, he can do it for me. Come on, you prayed that prayer. You prayed that prayer. Lord, if you can deliver the man in Mark chapter 5, full of devils, that was possessed of devils, you can help at least help me in my situation. Lord, you prayed these prayers. Lord, if you can feed the multitude with a few loaves and fishes, you can at least help me and help me feed my family. Lord, if you can, if you can raise up Lazarus out of tomb, out of the tomb, you can at least raise my loved one out of a hospital. You've prayed that prayer. Why? Because you know for a fact that if God did it one time, He can do it again. And that's how we have to live our life, Brother Davis. We have to know that if God did it one time, He can do it again. First Kings 17, 13, and 16, the Bible says, And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do thou hast as thou as I said, but make me therefore a little cake first, and bring it unto me. And after you make it for you, you and your son, he said, I want you. Uh, uh, I, I, he said, I want you to give to me first. That's what he required. And then the Bible went on to say, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the Lord, the day of the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went, and she did according to the saying of Elijah and she's and and he and her house did eat many days and the barrel of meal wasted not neither did the cruise of oils fell according to the word of God which spake Elijah and then came Elisha 
Second Kings, now there cried a woman uh, of wives and the sons of the prophets of Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest thy servant did fear the Lord, and the, uh, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be their bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? Does that sound familiar? You had Elijah and then you had Elisha. He said, tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, thine handmaid hath not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. Then he said, go, uh, barrel the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, barrel not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out unto all these vessels, and thou shalt set aside which is full. And she went from him and shut the door uh, upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured them out. And it came to pass that the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. And she came and told the man of God. And he said, Go sell the oil and pay thy debt. And live thou thy children of the rest. God did it once for Elijah. And he proved it again. He strategically put these stories in the scripture. And he did it one time for Elijah. And with the widow. And he did it again. And he put those stories in the Bible to convince us. And the people for the rest of eternity to tell us that if God can do it for Elijah, God can do it for Elisha. How many of you have had a financial blessing in the last month? How many of you have had one? Raise your hand. How many of you right now need a financial blessing in your life? Did you see that, folks, did you see the ones that raised their hand that God supplied their need in the last month? If God can do it for them, God can do it for you. Brother and sister, she's text me a while back and told me about their daughter uh, being diagnosed with a brain tumor. It made me think about when my mother, I was sitting at their table. Dad, I'll never forget it. I was sitting at the table, and I looked over at the sink at Mom. And she had her arms on the sink, and she had her head in her hands. And when she did that, I knew my mama's a tough lady. She gave birth to a ten and a half pound or a nine and a half pound kid. That was me. And she had to be tough. No epidural. She had to be a tough lady. And she she very very. I never seen her wince like that and hurt that bad. I looked there and said, "What's going on, mom?" She said, "Ah, everything's all right." She didn't want to tell me anything. A couple weeks went by, and I'll never forget. She called me and she said, "Well, the doctor went in and they done an ultrasound on my brain and they found a mass on my brain." I can't tell you what that did to me. I immediately called Pastor Robertson. He said, we're going to pray. He said, God's going to take care of it. I came to church. I'll never forget it. I came up here and he, brother, brother Robertson was sitting here. He said, we're going to have, we're going to have a move of God. He said, we're going to pray for your mom. He said, I want you to go to the podium. He said, I want you to tell the church, this church, you, you people prayed for my mother. Then they went back in. You remember it, Dad? They went back in and they did another ultrasound. And the mass that the doctor said was there, they said, well, it was an accident. Now, I didn't get to talk to the doctor, but if I could talk to him now, I'd say, do you think that we're stupid? It was an accident. Fact is that he didn't want to admit that Jesus Christ took that mass out of my mama's head. And he wanted to tell us 
that it was some fluke, that it was a mistake, that there was a, 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 a mistake on the ultrasound, that it really did not happen. And I, I want to tell you this morning, brothers and sisters, she's, that if God can take that mass out of my mama's brain, he can take it out of Jerry's brain. Now forget it, I was at work one day, and the, the, the man, a young man came to me. I got him a job over at the Hall Signs Company that I was at, and he came to me. His father was a Baptist pastor, been for 30-something years. He said, I need to talk to you about something. I went into one of the rooms with me. He was, he was not a spiritual man at all. Matter of fact, he was complete opposite, alcoholic, drug, into drugs, and his life was falling apart, grew up a pastor's son. But he knew, he said, look, he said, and I'm not trying to offend anybody here this morning, if you come out of a Baptist or if you're Baptist, and I'm not knocking anybody, said, look, he said, my dad's a good man. He said, but um, he said, we don't know. We don't know about the power of prayer and healing. He said, but I heard the apostolic church did. He said, I heard that the apostolic church did. He said, I just got to tell you. He said, we got a family friend. He's, he's been like a father to me. He's my dad's best friend. He said, he's got a mass on the, on the backside of his heart, the size of a grapefruit. They said, if he doesn't have the surgery, that it's a hundred percent chance that he's going to die. They said, but if he has the surgery, he said, it is a 98% chance. Now, I'll never forget what he said. It's a 98% chance that he's going to die. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think those odds are very well. I mean, that's a bad deal. 100% chance you don't have the surgery, you're going to die. If you have the surgery, it's a 98% chance you're going to die. 2% chance to live. Matter of fact, he said when they went in to do the surgery, the doctor said, told him, he said, I want you to, your family to come in and they're going to kiss you goodbye. That's how sure the doctor was that this man was going to die. I don't know why I said it. I, I don't, I, it was just out of uh, my, my ignorance, just believing, Brother Wyrick, that, that God was a healer. I don't know why I said it. Just actually, I think back and I thought that was foolish to say because this guy really has a lot of faith in my prayer and a lot of faith in my Jesus. So I don't know why I said it. I said, Travis, when they go in, it's not going to be there. He said, what are you talking about? He said, I'm not, that's not what I'm asking you to pray for. It was too late. I already spoke it out of my mouth. It was too late. I had to go with it. I said, no. I said, look, when he goes in, it's not going to be there. It's going to be gone. He said, are you kidding me? I said, no, I'm serious. I said, God is going to heal it. I said, I told him about the blood of Jesus. I told him about the stripes on the back of Jesus. I said, he can take it. And I said, he's going to when they go in. And, that, and he, they went in to have the surgery a couple days after that. And they called the children in and said, kiss your father goodbye. And they all went in and loved on him. They said, we're going to do the all sound, make sure that the, the tumor is in the right place. It was going to have to go through his back because uh, it was such a, a big tumor. And they, they went in and they did the ultrasound and the doctor in frustration and anger, he slammed the results of that test on the counter. He said, this is silly. He said, I don't understand what's going on. He said, bring him back in. So they did another ultrasound. And the the second time, he's like, I don't understand. He said, we can't miss something that large. He said, there's no way it's a mistake. Call him back in here and let's give him another uh, ultrasound. And they did. And the doctor, he said, he shook his head. He sat down. He said, I don't understand what's going on. He said, I don't know where you've been. He said, but there's no tumor. Oh, you hear me. I don't know a whole lot about the medical field. Matter of fact, I don't know anything about the medical field. But with that surgery, he said what normally happens. He said with that big of a tumor, he said that much scar tissue is left in that heart. 
He said, and eventually the complications will eventually kill him. He said, there's so much scar tissue with a surgery like that. He said, what I don't understand, he said, is that the, that that it's not only gone. He said, there's no existence or even proof that there was anything. There's no scar tissue. I'm telling you here this morning that a Jesus can do it. This wasn't Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. This wasn't the book of Acts. This was 2,000 years after Jesus said what he said. Greater things shall ye do. Jesus can still do it. What about when he doesn't? What about when he, let me tell you, we've got to get that mentality out of our mind. Just because he doesn't, doesn't mean that he can't. I've seen miracles. God's allowed me. I'm, I'm nothing, Brother John. I am absolutely nothing. But for some reason, God has allowed me to see things in my life and help me to be a part in miracles, signs, and wonders. I've seen the dead raised. I've seen one man dead. You, I've told the story over and over here, and I won't, I'll spare you the details. But a man that was dead for three days, I saw him resurrected at Methodist Hospital on the sixth floor. But sad reality was that I saw my mama passed away on the fifth floor of the same hospital and I had to question myself, Brother Tony in the, why in the world could God do it for that man when I went to that that hospital and prayed for him and he didn't do it when my mama went, and, and I had to question I questioned over and over and I still do it and I have to repent over it but I'm going to tell you something, just because God didn't resurrect mom doesn't mean that God can't heal Because you know what I have to say to myself is, you know what, even though she wasn't healed here, she got to see what Revelations 21 was talking about when John said, I saw a city coming down from heaven prepared as a bridegroom. Jesus Christ resurrected her. My God in heaven. I feel the Holy Ghost in you right now. Hear me. Stop stop uh, hurting or trying to tell God how to do his job. Stop trying to dictate everything and let God have his way. And just know that if God did it once, he can do it again. My goodness, I lost my notes here. The scriptures are full of it. Exodus 14 and 21, the Bible says, And Moses stretched out his hand. Now, the children of Israel needed deliverance. They needed it so bad that they they stopped and they had to turn around and see the enemy coming after them. I mean, they had nowhere to go. Matter of fact, the Bible says that they were in a strait. Just to tell you the way they say it in Kentucky, they were in a pickle. My late Godfather used to say, "It's rough when it's this away, and it's this away right now." Y'all didn't get that. It's rough when it's this away, and it's this away right now. And the children of Israel, it was rough where they were at. They were—I mean, imagine—you're walking up to an ocean, and 430 years. Of enemy that has dictated your life and hurt you and mentally broke you down and treated you like a slave was coming up behind you. You had nowhere to go. Where are you going to go? You'll take a long swim is what you're going to do. If God doesn't intervene. And we know the story that God had to tell them, look, I know you're not going to believe this. And I want you to have a story to tell your grandchildren. So he said, I want you to stop and see the salvation of the Lord. We know the rest of the scripture. When the when Moses stretched forth his hand and a strong east wind uh, blew all that night. And the Bible says they walked across on dry ground, not mud, but in dry on dry ground. And they went across. And the member of the scripture, the Bible says they looked back and the 
enemy was destroyed. That happened. Sadly, they forgot. Because they get in the wilderness, they go through some of the greatest miracles they've ever seen. Shoes grew on their feet, manna fall from heaven, uh, cloud by day, led them around the pillar of fire at night. They, shoes uh, never wore out, uh, clothes never wore out, all these miracle signs and wonders. And they had the greatest testimony in, their, in the backs of their minds, Brother Davis. They, could, they told their grandchildren and their children, you know what God did for us at the Red Sea? Then they get to a little Jordan River. The first time it was a sea. The first time they couldn't even see across to the other side. And it's a sad reality that they knew what God did at the Red Sea. And they get to this little old measly anorexic river. And they didn't have enough faith. I want you to think about the magnitude of what I'm talking about right now. They just had an ocean parted. But they got into the wilderness, a 10-day journey. They ended up wandering for 40, some 40 years because, and they were frustrated because they didn't think that they could cross a river. Matter of fact, they were so frustrated about it, they said, Moses... We ought to go back into Egypt. I was praying one time and I asked God, I, said, I was frustrated. I was like, why in the world didn't they have enough faith to go across the Jordan? But, but you had that in, in, in that testimony. In there. And God, God said, you know what? He said, they had enough faith to go back in Egypt. He said, you know what I'd had to do to let them back into Egypt? He said, I'd have had to part the Red Sea. I need you to think about this. They had enough faith that God would let them back into their bondage, but they didn't have enough faith that God would let them into their promise. I want to know why in the world that we continually have faith for all the bad things and anticipate all the bad things. The pessimistic mentality of people that say, I, 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 can, I know this is going to happen. And most of the stuff that we conjure up and dream up in our mind, the negative things are impossible things. Just like Job, we, we end up finding ourselves saying, the thing I fear the most has come upon me. That's because you can use uh, faith in the negative or you can use faith in the positive. And it's just as easy to believe in the good things of Jesus than it is to believe in the negative things. And we, we as, uh, may as well believe that God can let us in to our Jordan, over our Jordan. I can't leave here for a minute. Just, just, just for a moment. I'm not going to keep you all very long. I'm going to let you go eat your chicken, okay? But listen to me. For them to go back into bondage, we believe in type and shadow and salvation. God brings them through the Red Sea. That was their salvation, right? That was their baptism. They wanted to be unlost. Is that even a word? Unsaved. For you to for you to be lost. For you to be lost. Tells me that you have to have enough trust in the enemy to take you right back through the blood of Jesus and unsave you. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm in it too deep now. I've got to explain this. God brought you out of bondage, washed you in his blood. It's going to take, I'm not, I'm not preaching easy believism, try to get you to heaven. And I'm not saying you can do whatever you want to do to, 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 to go to heaven because you, 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 that, that's not what I'm preaching. But I'm telling you here this morning that if you want to go back into bondage, you have to walk through all the blood and every sing, every song that we've ever sung about the blood. And you have to walk, wade through every uh, message of salvation. You ha- it's going to take a lot for you to be lost. 
I confused myself there for a minute. But you understand what I'm saying. You, Jesus went through the, 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 the pain and all the hurt to save us. And he's not about to let us easily slip through his hands. Matter of fact, the Bible says no man can pluck you out of his hand. So let me get back. They went through the, uh, across the, the sea. And they didn't have enough faith that God could let them across the Jordan. But in Joshua 3 and 15, the Bible says, And as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. For Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down above stood and rose excuse me, up on and heap very far from the, the city that is beside Zeratin. And those that came down towards the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. And if you do uh, the close, uh, close reading in this, you'll realize that God did not part the Jordan River until they walked in it. Well, that required some trust, didn't it? Some people are waiting for a a visual for God to part their water. But God was saying, look, I give you the the promised land, so it's up to you to take the next step. And that's what happened. The Bible says that they walked in the Red Sea and the waters parted. And it tells me that if God did it one time, he'll do it again. Now I'm coming to a close, but I need you to just, just with me just for a few moments. Genesis 5 and 24. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for he took him. He, 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 just, he just took him off this earth. Then in 2 Kings 2 and 11, and it came to pass as they still went on and talked, that beheld, there appeared a chariot of fire and the horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up in the whirlwind of heaven and all of a sudden he was not. Say, what's that have to do with this? I'm going to tell you. He resurrected Enoch and he resurrected Elijah. He took him. And that tells me that if he raptured those men, Eventually, there is going to be an eastern sky that's going to part. I've heard some people say, well, I don't believe he's coming back. I've, I've heard it and preached all my life that he's coming back and he's not going to. I'm going to tell you, if he did it once, he's going to do it again. According to First Thessalonians, for the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with a trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then which then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we be forever with the Lord, if he did it once, he'll do it again. That's how we have to live our life, knowing that if he did it once, he can do it again. We find in Acts 2, 1 through 4, waiting in the upper room, as Jesus told them in Acts 1 and 8, he said, go ye tarry in Jerusalem until I send my comforter. So they were there waiting. Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set up on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 10, 40. 
4 says, And while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they were of the the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak in tongues and magnify God. And then in Acts 19, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with other tongues and prophesied. Pours it out on the day of Pentecost 120. He pours the Holy Ghost out again. 3,000. Then 5,000. Then on Cornelius' house. And then again for the disciples of John at Ephesus. And this morning, if he did it once and twice, And three times it's for you and for your children and to them that are far off, even as many as our Lord our God. Hear me. If he can do it then, he can do it now. And if there's people here this morning that need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if he did it for the people in the book of Acts, he can do it for them. Eleven years old, I at an altar. Never forget it. Pastor Sullivan, standing in the podium, gave the invitation. I ended up at the altar. I ended up, for some reason, on this side. We always sat on that side. I ended up about right here in that church in Ziegler, Illinois. Eleven years old. I remember in my, when I was a kid, I didn't think the Holy Ghost was for me. I tried and tried and tried to receive the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget it. Sister Dial was praying with me at the altar. I heard my mama praying about four or five steps behind me, praying for her son. I'll never forget it. The Holy Ghost had fell on me at 11 years old. It's still here. It's never left me. And if He can do it for me, He can do it for you. I want you to stand this morning. Doesn't matter what you're going through this morning, whether you need healing, whether you need deliverance, whether you're depressed, whether you're oppressed, whether you come from a broken home, it doesn't matter what's going on. Everybody, there's people all around you that's come out of brokenness, that's needed healing, that's needed restoration, that's needed salvation, that's needed deliverance. And know this. That if Jesus did it for my neighbor, he can do it for you.